So, pause on the pitch was a huge success yesterday at the game. Yeah, um, all the way up I think, until the rain came, it was doing really, really well. Uh, once the rain got there, it became a little bit more, uh, should we say, cumbersome? Maybe that's not the word. I don't know. So, I was not going to bring my dog because my dog is like a child that's been given three pounds of cotton candy and I did not want to be wrestling him all night. I was also glad to not have to have the uh, wet dog smell after the rain delay. Oh, that was bad. Because the wet Alex smell was pretty much as bad as it could be. <laughs> is that an official smell, wet Alex? It, it, you can ask my wife. She'd uh, confirm that that is true. Soccer chat with two T's. Because we're going to chat about soccer, but we're also in Chattanooga. So it's like a play on words. And, you know, Chattanooga is a soccer city. So welcome to episode 25 of the Soccer Chat. I am Alex Fortney here, as always, with Adam Bruce. Uh, silver anniversary. Um, I guess you'll just give me the gift after the podcast. Is that... Um, I think you get the... You, I'll let you get all of the proceeds from this podcast. Right. I might be able to buy a spoon. Um, so we had a really busy week of soccer, a bit of a roller coaster. We will start with Wednesday. Uh, do we, do we have to? Cause it doesn't seem like the Red Wolves started with Wednesday, but so, yeah, Wednesday, not a lot of fun Two nothing lost to Lansing probably should have been four or five, nothing. What, yeah, uh, I think what thoughts do you have about the match? So I, I somewhat alluded to my thoughts with just my statement about, you know, that they didn't show up, um, that I just made. I mean, they, they didn't. It was the worst game I've seen them play. I've watched every game on ESPN. I've watched every game at home. I've watched most of the home games again on ESPN just because of where the supporter section is, being able to feel like I really got a chance to watch the full game, especially when they're on offense going the other direction. So I've, I feel like I've watched enough of them to be able to say – that was not the team I usually watch. Like they, they, every first touch was bad. Every pass was bad. I think the field setup affected them a lot, um, in so much as they were passes that on our home turf, which is basically like playing on concrete, would have completed was significantly slower, and they never adjusted to it. Right. Um, and so I think I think I gave them a pass for that for maybe the first 10, 15 minutes of playing in like the real conditions. Cause you can practice on it, but it's not the same as playing, but they never adjusted. And it's just, it was just overall a really ugly game. Um, Ken Seelman, I think is his name on Twitter, made a comment about how they felt like that, that the mangles had been taken. They, they kind of worked their way through him. And I responded to him. I was like, I don't think that's accurate. Like the two goals scored against him. One, the first one was just a bad defensive play on our part that was a beautiful shot. Like, top corner, we gave him the opportunity to make the shot, and he took it and did a great job with it. Right. And the second one was a two-on-one, which very rarely is the keeper going to win that. Right. So, I felt like Bengals himself actually, like you said, if you're wondering for some of his saves, we're, we lose three, four, five. I mean, it was that type of game. Uh, we had a celebration uh, well, we went to the Red Wolves office for a celebration for their one-year anniversary of being announced, and I ran into Alex Mangles there and mentioned to him that he probably should be nominated for all three saves of the week um, from what he's done this week. 
Yeah, I had a lot of issues. I didn't say anything on Twitter to Ken Seelman, but basically two things that I thought were kind of silly about that. First of all was you were disputing a statistic of <laughs> goals against, and he was in the top five. This wasn't like an objective, here's who we think are the top five keepers in the league. This yeah. was like actual statistical measure of goals against for the season. And second is um, – it's a thing that happens in sports, and I see it in all sports, where everyone talks as though this game was a runaway blowout when it was a two-goal win. And it should have probably been. Here again, I, I really believe that it should have been four or five goals for Lansing. So when it should have been four or five, you don't get to say you found more holes than Swiss cheese when you only scored two. Yeah. Because I have some Swiss cheese at home. I counted a lot more than two holes in that Swiss cheese. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I think I think you're hitting the nail on the head. Like, they, I don't think anyone disputes they deserve the win. Right. They 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 of the two teams they looked incredibly superior. Here's the thing, they're not that much better than us. So that's why I say our team didn't show up. Not that their team dominated us. That's why that where that's coming from. Yeah, my impression that first twenty minutes of the game, it it felt like Jurgen Klinsmann U.S. national team. Like we're just gonna sleepwalk here, and instead of get on the front foot and put the other team, we're gonna dig ourselves a hole, and it's just gonna spiral from there. Well, I mean that's how we go to every game. Let's be honest. Every game we play with the attitude of we're gonna sit back. Absorb, absorb, absorb. We're going to wear you out on you constantly pressuring us, and then we'll win it in the end, which works at home very well, right? And it has been working relatively well in so much as that we haven't been losing, right? Right. But when the other team is the highest scoring team in the league on scoring wise, even though they give up a lot of late goals, you're expecting you're, the understanding that's going to happen seems like a bad strategy. Like, to go, hey, we know that coming into this game, you already had 28 goals in the season, but we're just going to let you keep going at us and hope that you get tired on your narrow pitch where you don't have to run that much. Seems like a bad strategy. Yeah, and the you know in this case, the defense didn't seem ready for the pressure they were applying. I don't know why. It's not as if this isn't the scouting report that you should have for Lansing. Yeah. Um, but they really were. They were making bad turnovers, and then you know uh, the the failure to close down a guy on a shot led to that first goal. They could never get the ball forward to have any kind of counter or anything going offensively, and uh, that really leads into the second topic I wanted to talk about was issues that we had uh, in the midfield. Something that frustrated me that, you know, in the little running conversation we had Wednesday night was just I see so many times they put one, two passes together and that third pass, either the receiver makes a heavy touch and doesn't connect with it or the defender gets a toe in on that third pass and that like they, they can't complete that third pass that is going to cause the defense to start to break down. And yeah. that's one of the most frustrating things that it's been for me all season is to watch that. Yeah, and I think you saw some changes to the midfield in the game on Saturday, which could be partly because of what he saw on Wednesday. It, it could also be because he got Leo Fala back, um, so he was able to make some adjustments that maybe he wanted to make, which right. allowed some differences. But, no, you're all season that's been the issue. Like, we've, we've made no – Quanzano, like, there's something wrong in the middle. 
whether it's the massive amount of back passes, whether it's the fact that it seems like they they have the wrong um, setup of the way the team is built, or we've been begging for a diamond, right? Um, whatever it is, there's there's a disconnect. It seems like a lot of times they're going straight from the defense to the forwards every time and trying to skip the mid- midfield because of that, that right. miss. Um, but part of the problem, too, is they skip the midfield, but then the midfield's not there to support the forwards once they get it, and everything just kind of dies. Yeah. Um, there was uh, one of the shots early in the match last night, and I turned to um, someone standing next to me in the section, and it was like, "Man, that's our second shot this week." <laughs> yeah, did we? We didn't have. Did we have a shot on? We had a shot on goal. We had one shot on goal, I think. Yes, there was a once again the uh, you know the Charlie's brisket of a left foot from Vangel Zaguro that Stephen Beatty was able to put ahead on. Um, I I didn't think that he didn't get a lot on it. It really wasn't yeah. that dangerous of a play. Um, kudos to the Lansing keeper for being in position and making the save. Um, but that really that was all that I noticed there. Uh, I think in the first half there was one where Stephen kind of tried a half volley that took a deflection. So, and that was that was basically it. And that I mean all, I was bummed out all Thursday and Friday just thinking you know what are we going to do? How you know I am tired of this four three three that doesn't seem to get anything going offensively, can't get any possession maintained in the attacking third. Um, you know, what are we going to do with the midfield that if they're not passing it back, they're passing it to the other team? Yeah. Um, you know, there was just lots of things that needed to change, and uh, and I was very frustrated. It dropped us below the playoff line. So. Yeah, it, it did and it didn't. I, I think, once again, those three games in hand for a team that's only a few point five points ahead, technically, I, I still hold like I know Lansing beat us, but points per game wise, they're behind us. So, yeah. Um, so here's the other thing. I have a question. I have a question when we talk about that Lansing. How much do you feel like the pitch actually affected the game? So I don't want to make excuses um, I, because uh, yeah, part ignore of was... the excuse part. Like we're admitting we were the worst team. Right. Go. So that stadium seems like a really nice place to watch a baseball game. I really loved the nice slippery tarp that was basically over the end, the touchline. Yeah, I think it's like a foot off the touchline. Over on yeah. one side. Um, I enjoyed how over in one of the other corners near the outfield wall where basically the line was painted on the edge of the sod and then it was just the warning track. Um, I really, really enjoyed the uh, semicircle that was about five yards off center and about three yards wider than it should have been. Um, yeah. Anyone that has played on a rec field that Alex painted, you'll know what I'm talking about because there's been plenty of those out there. And that's just that's exactly what it made me think about. Like that was one of those times where I was hurrying to get a field done and said, I'm just going to eyeball it. And it was just terrible. Yeah, when you pointed that out to me, I started laughing. I was like, I've totally been on those fields. Um, did you notice there was a point where a ball was passed across the field, but it was on the ground? Did you notice when it hit the sod, when it bounced up? Did you see that play? I don't notice. So I don't remember that one. There was a play, and I, I have to go back and find the exact timestamp so I can I can let you know so you can go look at it. There's literally a play where the ball is like full speed, just skimming across the ground, and it hits that sod and pops up. And I'm like, it, it, come on. Like, it, it was so obvious that that was about an inch to an inch and a half longer right. in that portion. That, to me, should not be allowed. Like, 
fine. Play on a baseball field. You've got to figure out a way where your pitch is the same, like, speed and dimension. Whether it means you you have longer outfield grass for your baseball team until you, you've reached the point where they're not playing anymore. Right. Or you get to figure out a way to put in thinner sod over there that allows it to be the same level. Because that is unacceptable. Like, I just don't know how you think that, how they can think for the next 17 years, that's how long their agreement is, that that can be okay. Like, it's just, it's just not. And it didn't seem to me, I think the um, assembly line has a great spot. The fact that they're above the goal, it gives them a really good angle to watch the game from where they're standing. Right. And that's what everyone has said that on Twitter and on Instagram and places is the best place to watch the game is from there. Here's my thing. That can't be the best place to watch a game as your rule. That can't be what you want to be the best place because we sit in the supporter section, right? Right. And how often do we say we well, go... we don't sit in the supporter yeah, section. Okay, you're correct. We stand there unless we're playing the drums and we may be sitting, right? Right. Um, but we're in the supporter section that's behind the goal. And how often do, you, do we say to each other, I'm going to have to go re-watch that on ESPN Plus to see what actually happened? Yeah. Because your vantage point for stuff on the other side of the field is terrible, right? Right. So the best seats in your house are ones that everywhere else are the worst seats in your in the in the stadium. That's a bad thing. And so they've got to figure out a, a better way to handle that. And I don't know what the answer to that is. Right. But there's got to be something done, whether it's bringing in some sort of temporary stands that they put on the. Um, first baseline that are actual stands because nobody's really sitting behind there anyways. Um, partly because that's where a lot of the sun was when I was watching the game. Like right. I said to April, I was like, man, there's no one there. And she's like, no, 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 they're, they're all in the, they're all on the behind in the other area because of the sun. And sure enough, you like, they pan back over like, Oh yeah, there is a good group of fans there. Um, I don't know about 3,500, which is what they claimed, but we didn't see the other outfield wall. That may be another good spot to stand and watch the game. I don't right, know. which is the angle that the camera was. That you right. know that tends to happen with ours. I, most of our people sit in those home side bleachers yeah. where the cameras are above them, and you can't really see yeah, the Yeah, and, and that could be a good spot to watch too because you're you're above the field and you can get right. to the middle. I don't know how close it is to the actual field there, so that may be another good spot to stand and watch it. Sure. But then the question is, can they build stands on that walkway, right? Is there a way... Speaking for a fat guy, the idea that all of the best um, vantage points are standing room only is is tough. Yeah. I don't know. That said, um, we, we were talking about this between a number of the, the various supporters and such that are, um, were on like a group chat you know their um, their crowd sounded really loud for the first 15 20 minutes they were really good um, and then the red wolves lulled them to sleep with no with, effort yeah exactly I, I don't even blame them for getting quiet like that was <laughs> excruciatingly bad so you got anything else to say I don't have anything else about Lansing so this is where we should insert the uh, the Lloyd Harry and Lloyd just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! So I came into this North Texas game with a impending sense of dread. Having lost the game with Lansing, having four ties, three of which were fairly disappointing to me. Especially the Orlando City In the lead-up. Orlando, even the Tucson game, where you know we gave up a goal at the very beginning and pretty much played to, for a draw at home yeah. um, in a game that really probably would have helped us to win. 
considering that we just went to Lansing midweek and lost, um, you know, you're you're then going to have to play four games against the top two teams, two teams that have been at the top of the standings the whole season, um, both of which that, well, actually we beat Tormenta, um, but I just had this, I was just not looking forward to what these next four games were going to be and what was going to happen to them, the amount of pressure that I felt like the team had to try to get points out of these next four games that you really, if you came away with five, you would say that's a good stretch, but what it had done to them into the standings, it would have been like, man, we really needed more like seven out of these next few games. Yeah. Um, So I had a whole bunch of dread in this game and I felt a lot better about it by the time the game was over. Well, I would hope so. Um, Because we walked away with three points. Um, Did you feel the play on the field was that much better though? I, I, what I really liked was the defensive organization. So I would say, like I said, the, the defense did not feel prepared for people to be running at them in that Lansing game. And I really feel like they came with a game plan. They said, we're going to, we're going to make sure that no one loses track of Ricardo Pepe. And we're going to, we're going to kind of bunker in. We're going to let them come at us. Um, we're going to play them a little physical and see if that rattles them some. Yeah. I feel like it did. And uh, and then we're going to find an opportunity where we can counter and go after them. Uh, I will say I did think that having Leo follow back was huge. Yes. Because he had a number of really good plays, especially in the first half. He had a couple of um, – they had a couple of times in that first half, more so than the first half and the second half, where they put a little bit of scare on it. Some some really good crosses in. Yeah. Uh, a couple of balls that took a deflection and landed at their feet. And uh, Leo was in the spot, right spot. I don't know if partly his, his, his spacing was right or if it was just he knows how to track a ball really well because he looked really good out there. And for it to be his first game back, that's that's a very, very encouraging sign. Yes. Um, for me, it was still more of this, this sit-back-and-wait thing that we do. Yeah. That just – with a team like North Texas who put on three goals on us pretty darn quick – in the first game of the season. Right. Uh, so this is not our first time seeing them. It seems very risky style to play versus them because they have the finishers to finish from hard angles, to finish from hard spots, and to just basically let them bring it to you like we did in that first half. It seems risky. Did it work? Yeah, it worked, obviously. Um, and I will say in the second half, I felt like our midfield started closing it down more and it wasn't even getting to the back line. Um so that was another, um, you know, we've talked a lot about sometimes feeling like Connor Doyle is being played out of position. Uh, sometimes um, you don't you don't see as much out of him as we wanted, but he was all over that field, making tackles, pushing the ball forward, making um, switch passes, uh, just generally a lot more running than we've seen from him a lot of times. Um, I was really impressed with his effort in this game. Feel like he stepped it up. And wonder if there was some, you know, a little bit of fire that was lit under him um, as they made some changes to the midfield. Were you surprised by who they pulled out? Yes, I was. Um, You know, I feel like Ami Pineda, he was pretty feisty in that Lansing game. And maybe they needed to just kind of give him a rest. Uh, uh, But I, yeah, I was really surprised that he was the one that they pulled moving Stephen Beattie back to the midfield. Um... It feels like he want uh, Coach Hankinson wants to have two defensive midfielders, 
So it was like if we had Ami and Steven, neither of them are really a defensive type midfielder. They're going to want to push forward. Yeah. Um, so it felt like that was part of the reason for that change too, was that we're taking Steven, who's going to be more of an attacking player. He needs to be in, uh, in Ami's position. Yeah, and one of the things that's interesting that happens throughout the game is who he necessarily puts into certain positions doesn't always stay there. So he had Caparelli up at the top, right? Right. There was a number of times throughout the game where all of a sudden Caparelli had come all the way back and was playing left defensive. Zaguro had moved up to midfield. Right. And um, I don't know if Beattie had gone to the front left. I think it, it was Beattie that had moved to the front left. Um so that was interesting to see that he – I don't know if that's part of his thinking too is that he likes to have players that he can – that can easily overlap and stay and not have to try to switch back up on defense. Because if you look at the the build of some of those teams, other than you know, on the left side especially, they're very interchangeable, all the yes. players that he has going up and down the left side. I feel like there was some um, – you know, Vangel is uh, very resourceful because he does not have a ton of speed. But it felt like um, the player that was on the right side for North Texas had a lot of pace, and it felt like they needed Caparelli to come back to that defensive position to mark that player. Yeah. Um, and Vangel is definitely talented enough that he can push up and he can send those crosses in. Um, so he was not lost. Um, I think you're right. He likes that flexibility. He likes the uh, interchange. When you go back to a lot of conversations he had talking to fans as the season was starting, he talked a lot about, I want my players to have freedom to see space and move to it. And everyone's got an understanding that, okay, this person has come across to try to challenge the defense, and we need to shift ourselves around to make sure that, that, that he's covered. Yeah. And that, that they do that well, and they've gotten better throughout the season. They do. That. There are very few times where you're like, oh, that guy didn't get back. I can maybe think of two or three where it's like, yeah. oh, I can see he's not getting back, and that's why that goal got scored. Yeah. All right, so that brings us to how we scored. Um, what did you think, first off, of the call? Do you think it was the right call for a penalty there? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, you're smirking a little bit because, you know, I don't think the same way. I've rewatched this, like, three times I think you pegged it earlier when we were talking before the podcast if you've watched Mare play you're like me and you're in the camp of is that really a penalty because that man gets blown on and he falls down however if you take that mindset out and you just look at it from the ref standpoint he hadn't really fallen down that much up to that point in the game so the ref probably didn't have the mindset of this guy is someone who's going to try to trick me um, and I don't even know if he's trying to trick. I think he's just, you know, <laughs> kind of clumsy and falls on. That, that's and you know that's all fine. There there was legitimate contact. Yeah, there was. The I guy mean, came through the back of him. Was it maybe a little soft? If if it had gone the other way, if it was Tony Walls going through the back of Ricardo Pepe who went down that easy, I'd probably maybe feel a little bad about it. But but it went your way. So you're but we don't have VAR. We don't have you know. I, yeah, it yeah. is what it is. All right, and so then the penalty itself. Um, I'll tell you what, the whole time leading up to it, I kept thinking the goalie's expecting him to go um, to his left, the goalie's left. Like the way he was jumping back and forth, uh-huh. he was jumping like he was getting ready to jump to the left. And Steven was just like, yeah, I don't care which way you go, I'm still scoring on you. Because he 100% went to that bottom right corner for him, which would be the goalie's left, without hesitation, even though I think it was obvious to Steven too 
that he was planning on going to the left. Right. Um, that was a confident and just knocking it home. And the reason that's really funny to me is there was a questionnaire thing that was published on Instagram by the Red Bulls earlier in the week where they asked the question, so if the game goes to penalties, who's taking the first one? And Steven's answer was, yeah, it's going to be me. Um, like that confidence. And everybody else was like, yeah, probably Beatty. So either they all know he's really good at penalty taking or they just know he's going to, as the captain, going to say it's mine. But yeah. impressive penalty. Like there was no hesitation. There was no trying to trick the keeper. It's just you can't me one-on-one versus you. I'm going to win. That was as tucked into that corner as it could possibly be because the keeper made a pretty good play stretching out to his left. He yeah. almost got a finger on it. Yeah, it was – it was a it was a good it was a good penalty. I was very really, really impressed by it. So that gave us that one nothing lead, and then from that point forward, um, even before the second yellow to the um, number was it 21? yeah number twenty one of um, of the North Texas team. Even before that, we were already kind of shutting them down. They didn't have a ton of opportunities. Once that once we they went down to ten men, we really kind of clamped it down all the way up to the very end of the game. <laughs> And when they gave six minutes of extra time, that six minutes of extra time was not a uh, the most comfortable time. Did, did that was that because of the rain delay? Is that why they added the six minutes? Oh my gosh! I don't understand how, with hardly any injuries, like they weren't they weren't constantly waving the uh, trainers onto the field. There were not tons of we're gonna stop and we're gonna argue with you over this or that call. There, I don't know how you get to six minutes in a game where one goal was scored. One goal was scored, and there was the one sending off. So I don't know if she counted a ton of time for the sending off. I mean, it did take him a while to leave the field, but you know what? That's on you, bud. I don't understand why North Texas gets extra time because yeah. North Texas's ejected player takes forever to walk off the field. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's <laughs> what they. They're not. I don't think supposed to take into account like who calls the delay. Um, when they give the extra time, but six minutes was—I expected four. Yeah, um, it, six minutes seemed really long. Um, and and it, man, was it a long six minutes! Oh my gosh, like it was just like one. I'm like, oh cool, a set play. Oh, another set play. Oh, a corner. <laughs> like, like these are like when you're when you're up a man, the last thing you want to give them are set plays and corners. Right. Because then it doesn't, especially at the end of the game, they don't have to have anyone back on defense. Yeah. So it becomes less of an advantage when you're still fighting against nine other guys or eight other guys, right? And so, yeah, it was a, whew. I, I turned and said to someone, I don't remember who it was, I was like, well, oh, I thought we were almost going to take another tie from the, you know, from the victory. Like, it just felt like that was what was going to happen. It felt like yeah. we were going to have another Orlando City situation where we should have won and we gave it up at the last second, but... We didn't. We got our one nothing victory. We held on to our tie of fourth, fifth place on goal differential, which we would have been in seventh without it. I thought it was eighth, but it was seventh without that. Yeah. With three games going against two away games in Statesboro, which is not an easy place to play. No. And North Texas is our next home game. And just recently playing them, I think, levels the playing field and that home field advantage significantly. Right. So this was huge. We needed this win, and so I'm really glad we got it. Yeah, and that was the sense of relief. After that loss at Lansing, we both talked about last week that you know it felt like it would be much better to win the Lansing game because you're not sure where this North Texas game is going to go. 
So to come away with three points out of those two games like we had kind of wanted, maybe not in the order, but yeah. that was a that was a big relief, kept us in the chase, and, you know... And every other game on Saturday went exact opposite of what we would want it to go. Yes, that's very true. So there's, you know, there's lots of this. The, the Lansing folks are very excited. They've jumped Tormenta into second place. You're always talking about the fact that they've got three games over everyone, yeah. Um, two or three over everyone right now, which is, I mean, it's a fact. It's a mathematic fact. They've got four over Statesboro. They got three over us. Right. There. I mean, and there's a lot of them. So they they have. They've jumped over Tormenta, who's been in second place pretty much rail to rail. North Texas has now lost two games in a row. Yeah. Um. You just don't know about the only thing that you know is unless it's the Chattanooga Red Wolves, someone's going to beat Orlando City B this week. <laughs> and everything else is a toss-up. Which, by the way, Orlando City B plays a number, I think two more games with Madison. Um, they play, like, their their remaining schedule is all the people that are around us. So I went and looked at it. I'm like, oh, great. Like, there's, I keep hoping that that first upset, their first victory on the road will happen versus a team above us. Right. Right? I would I would love to see that happen. But not only are they a young team, they turned over their coach. They, they just, they're a B team, so they're not a focus. It's not... You know, they're probably looking for developmental stuff. They obviously are treating this as we're going to focus on trying to get them the players better. That's what matters, not the wins. They are what we expected, honestly, what we expected North Texas and Toronto to be because that's why Toronto yeah. and them came down. And Toronto seems to care a little bit more about winning, but even they, you know, of late have been more of a – it didn't seem like they cared that much in the game. Yeah. Um, so – yeah, I don't know. I, I just our schedule's not easy coming down. I mean, that three more games versus the top two, and I'm still calling Statesboro, um, and I would keep calling them Statesboro, and that's not really their name, but um, Tormenta. I'm still thinking of them as the second place team because when you have four games in hand, yeah, you're the second place team. Um, we still have three games versus the top two teams. That's not going to be easy in right. two of them on the As road. well as a trip to Toronto, another yeah. trip to Lansing, another trip to Tucson. Those aren't going to be easy road games either. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, we. I think we do have the hardest schedule remaining of the top five teams. Um, and I say top five, but Greenville and Tucson are right there. Exactly. Like the old, and even Richmond, while they are by far the furthest out, it's not – crazy to think when you look at their remaining schedule because they play a lot of teams above them that they if they got on a run and got hot like uh, like Madison has where they've won three games in a row right they could be right back in it too the only team that's a hundred percent out of it at this point is Orlando and so yeah I, I mean granted everyone for Richmond's above them but Orlando but the whole point of it is they're not that far out well and they're ones that they've I mean they've won their last two. So Richmond is kind of putting some stuff together. Who knows what will happen in their upcoming match. And that's, of course, you know, that's what I come back to. Who knows what will happen. Richmond could beat Tormenta. You know, Greenville beat North Texas pretty handily a couple weeks ago. Now that was with a man advantage, but they took advantage of what they had. And I think that's been a great thing for League One this year is that there isn't anyone that's run away and hid. There isn't anyone. um, I mean, Orlando has not done great, but... They're, for the most part, everything is kind of congested, and so these games matter. It's not a, oh, it you know, 
Yeah. There's no, there's nothing in in this match, so why why even bother watching? It, it's not like you're watching like a a Liverpool Fulham game from last year. Right. Um yeah, it's it's there there's definitely while there is a difference I think you can see in the quality between Orlando and North Texas. Um it's not to the level of oh this is obviously a team that's on a whole nother world. Right. And even and that's comparing the top versus the, the bottom. So yeah, I 100% agree. So I was checking the Scottish dailies as I normally do. I mean, and who doesn't? Saw a uh, a rumor that a striker uh, of St Johnstone of the Scottish Premier League is uh, possibly making his way across the pond, as they say, and could be signing with the Chattanooga Red Wolves. Nothing has been formally announced. Uh, the player's name is uh, now I'm losing it. Something Hurst. I don't remember. Efforting, efforting. Insert some little like elevator music here. I actually think I might put elevator music in this time, as opposed to just cleaning it up. <laughs> We're reaching the point where I'm gonna have to put shorter elevator music than the actual pause. <laughs> Greg. We couldn't remember the name Greg. <laughs> it's, it's a hard one. So Greg Hurst. Possibly going to be coming, twenty-two-year-old uh, striker from Scotland, uh, Adam the Bruce. What say you about Scottish striker? Okay, first off, um, I will immediately start bringing a Scottish flag to the games. Uh, I went to a college where our mascot or our nickname was the Scots, so I have a number of um, Scottish themed things and my last name is bruce which is scottish and there's a lot of red in my beard so yeah you do kind of look like william wallace's best friend (laughs) so yeah i have a bit of a scottish background to me um i'm not gonna be wearing a kilt to the game to to root them on i will say that that won't be happening um but yeah i would love to see it for if for no other reason than let's get another young striker out there right i mean Mm -hmm. what's the worst that can happen he replaces mare i mean so that the the issue that I have with the move is that it doesn't seem to be addressing the obvious issue, which is that we need some midfield depth. No, see, I think it does because I think it it, it pushes Beatty to be a hundred percent midfielder instead of uh-huh. having it up top. Because I think Beatty's better in that role as a midfielder. He can bring it from the back to the front for us. Right. Um, so I think if you change your lineup to the diamond in the middle of a four person diamond with two up top, you could have. So many different options up there. You could have um, Cito Sioni playing alongside of him. Um, you could have Yaya if you're looking for full speed. I'm assuming, uh-huh. I'm assuming based off being a 22 year old striker that he's probably got a little bit of speed to him. Um, you know, I, I would. I'm, so basing that assumption, I haven't seen any footage of what he's done or anything like that. But not too many St. Johnstone games that uh, make their way stateside. Yeah. So assuming he's good. Right, which I'm hopefully is, and he's going to slot in there. I would love to see the, those two up top with BD, BD on the top of a pyramid inside. That's just me. And right. I know where you're going with that. Steven, Steven is maybe a, a false knight? Oh, Getting into those pockets? Running the channels? Maybe running the channels? Can we say running the channels? All right, so now people are having to constantly look at their 
ridiculous American using football analogy dictionary to find out what the heck you're talking about yet again. <sighs> so, Cuddle, Mary, Kill, Scrooge McDuck, um, William Wallace, and the dad from So I Married an Axe Murderer. Since Pipe that down! On a Scottish theme. I think you gotta marry Scrooge McDuck. I mean, he literally swims in money. No, no, you can't. You can't beat the dad from So I Married an Axe Murderer. One of the best characters ever. Yeah. So <laughs> look at the I, size of the heat on that one. I feel like you have to kill William Wallace because if you don't, then your uncle Robert doesn't lead the uh, Scots to freedom on the field of battle. Which means you have to cuddle the uh, the dad. The only reason you brought that up because you didn't really care about the soccer impact. <laughs> so we have a big game coming Saturday. Are you going down to down to Statesboro? We are having to wait for my son's soccer schedule to be published for the weekend, and uh, if he plays early enough, then I believe I will be making the trip down. Oh, really? Interesting. I haven't even thought about actually making the trip. Down. About a four and a half hour drive. Okay. All 75, pretty much. Have you seen the price of tickets? They are not cheap. Well. They're 25 a pop per person. My, my son's pretty charming. He can probably talk our way in. So. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I think they have the most extensive tickets in League One because they do $1 tickets for all the um, college kids. So if you're not a college kid, like, yeah, we have to make ends meet somehow. So Sure. The cheapest, I think, is 25 and then the expensive ones are 50 or something ridiculous. So, Theater of Nightmares for Chattanooga Red Wolves, as the last time that they have played on that field was when they were taking on Tormenta 2 in our... Tormenta. Open Cup debacle. Um, but... The one game that we have played against Tormenta was a 3-2 to two win where we jumped out to a very early 3-0 lead and uh, allowed them back in. And Tormenta right now is losers of, I believe, two, if not three in a row. Checking that real quick. Oh, they've only lost the last game. <laughs> Way off! <laughs> So out of their last five, they are one, two, and two, which is still not great. So they're they're starting to stumble a tad. Five points out of five games is not great. Um, so what do you expect to see Saturday? A tie, a one-one tie, where we had the lead and around the sixty or seventieth minute, they tie it up. That's my prediction. Um. That seems to be what we do. We don't really win games on the road. We tie. Yeah, I would say the one thing would be um, would be us scoring first. That That's, seems very out of character. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I was wondering if you'd pick up on Unless that. Unless it's in the 80th minute. So I really could see it becoming one where they get a goal on us early. We struggle, struggle, struggle. Managed to get a set piece at the end where Evangel's a girl is able to connect with someone and uh, and have some late game magic. So like a like where Zide comes on doesn't ever stop running from when he came on the field and heads it in. So watching the Timbers this afternoon, 
they had a corner kick at the end of the game. They're trying to come back and tie, and they made a substitution. And I said to my wife, oh, look, Thomas Konechny's going to run on, and he's going to do the Amon play where he never stops moving, and he heads the ball. And by golly, the, <laughs> that ball went flying over everyone and went right to that guy's head. And unfortunately, he could not jump high enough to get his head on it, and it went straight up in the air. One of my favorite things with the Chattanooga Red Wolves, uh, of course, you know, we had Tony Walls on earlier, and he talked about his playing basketball. And when he goes jumping for a header, you can tell. Yeah. He has got some leaping ability. He almost said, and we didn't mention this, he headed that one into the ground, which in all honesty is actually not a bad way to head a ball towards the net because right. it messes with the keeper they're usually looking for it to come higher. Right. Um, and it just bounced early and whatever. But he had a good good shot at there, and he's had he's had a couple others and that have been really nice on those crosses. So yeah, he's he had a, he had another in that match that I believe forced a good save from the keeper, yeah. and uh, yeah, unfortunately wasn't able to put that second goal. That second goal that would have been a lot more. Uh, easier on my nerves yeah i wouldn't have cared that much about six minutes if we got one of those second yeah no um yeah i kind of flipped this flipped the script a little bit there and i think i did that partly because we went up three nothing on them last time so sure i'm hoping it happens again but i just feel like we don't do a good job of going for the kill we're doing a really good job of sitting back and waiting especially on the road so i think ty is best case scenario for us Something that I had sent to you earlier this week, I um, I wasted some time at work and put together a table um, for road form, uh, and uh, we are second from the bottom with Orlando is the bottom, and then they are there is us basically getting two thirds of a point per road game. What does Orlando get per road game? Because they've uh, only got one point on the road, yeah, it's right? Point one two five points <laughs> per game. They have the one point on the road. Um, North Texas, Tormenta are the two best road. Um, I I don't know what the home thing is. Basically, everyone is good at home, and that's you know that's how it is. Um, but yeah, the the teams ahead of us are all teams that have done a much better job on the road getting points. Um, you know, we're kind of leaning on our undefeated home record. And you've said before. I mean, I would love to go the entire season and say we have an undefeated home record. But that's just going by the odds. That's not going to happen, especially like you've talked about this tough match with North Texas coming up. Yeah. On the return. So, Jason from Home Sweet Soccer, I think, picked it perfectly. The only thing that can really stop, seems to be able to stop the Red Wolves at home, is the weather. (laughs) Yes. It seems like it rains most, like half the games. And when it rains, there's always there's lightning or there's thunder or something. both of the, I mean, and they're not short delays. Like these, both of them ended up being longer than you would expect. And the one this last weekend, it was like legitimately only rained the whole weekend for the forty-five minutes that it rained and thundered over top of. Just I was going to say, and by the radar, it was basically a three-mile radius around the stadium, and the rest of the city had no idea what was going on. Yeah, it was pretty. Uh, you know. It's amazing the reach that those worldwide CFC owners have. Just saying. <laughs> so do you do you want to talk anything else? You got anything else for us? Uh, the last other couple things. Um, European leagues are starting to kick off. Got to watch some fun soccer. Saw Ajax and Vitesse in the Dutch Eredivisie. Uh, there's only two things I can't stand. People who are intolerant of other cultures and the Dutch. 
It's one of my favorite lines from um, Austin Powers. But uh, it was a fun game, a 2-2 draw. Had fun watching that. Watched the German Super Cup. So, so you may have picked up on this. I, I don't like calling IX IX. I always like to call him Ajax because that's the cleaning supply that I know for those letters. Yeah, that's fine. Every time your daughter's correct the way that I say Amen Zayed, though, makes me want to be like, well, tell your dad how to say Ajax. <laughs> oh, that's true. Um, but anyway, that was a fun game. The The German Super Cup, also fun. Borussia Dortmund had a 2 nothing win over Bayern Munich. Uh, did you watch any of the English Community Shield this afternoon? Uh, no, I, I did not. I, wa- I, I kept up with it on my phone, saw that it was going to penalties, saw that Man City ended up winning it in penalties, which makes me happy because Liverpool was in line to win eight trophies this year or something ridiculous like sure. that. I turned it on right as Man City scored the first goal of the game, watched for a while, um, and then had things that we had to do as a family, so I didn't get to finish. Um, I guess I'm not going to go watch what I recorded. Thanks. The um, Should have brought it up if you didn't want a spoiler. I'm just saying. <laughs> so the thing that it solidified for me, I feel like Manchester City is going to win English Premier League again. I feel like Liverpool is going to be in second place. Um, I don't know. Maybe there was something in that second half that would have changed my opinion. But it just watching the first, most of the first half that I watched, it really felt like Manchester City had the answers for Liverpool. Um, so my my order: Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, Man United. Wait, wait. You don't think the huge defensive signing that Man United just made is going to change everything for them? Who did they sign? Some, you know, really well known defender from England out of Leicester City, largest defensive contract or defensive pay ever in the history of football. Yeah. I don't I don't feel like defense was the issue that really needed addressing for them. Well, the funny part, as an Arsenal fan, we all hate Mustafi. And there's this like stat board that goes out where like statistically Mustafi's let in less goals, he's had more tackles, he's had more clearances, like and we <laughs> hate him. And me and United just paid eighty million dollars for someone who's worse than Mustafi, so that's why I brought that up. <laughs> Not because I think he's really going to do anything. No, I mean, he, yeah, it was a huge signing um, for them in theory, I guess. Um, I think the uh, the Pepe signing for Arsenal was huge. Um, not the not the Pepe from North not, Texas. Not Ricardo Pepe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember what, what the other Pepe's first name is. Um, but no, he... I've watched a lot of his videos because honestly, I didn't. I didn't know much about him. Just be blatantly honest. I don't think if it, someone's saying they did, they're either way bigger nerd than I am when it comes to soccer, or they're lying. Um, but I watched a bunch of the videos. It looks like he'll be fun. The three of them up top, we're it seems like we're topping a lot of Liverpool's thing. It's like, well, we're just going to beat you five four, um, which seemed to work pretty well for Liverpool. So I'm as an Arsenal fan, that was very exciting. Didn't work so well in the uh, Europa League, but you're dead to me. <laughs> so coming up next weekend is the kickoff of English Premier League. Obviously, you're watching Arsenal. What is the other match of the weekend that you're looking forward to seeing? You know, one of my favorite things to watch the first weekend is to watch the newly promoted teams play. Um, I know that's a weird thing because they're typically not going to do anything, but it's it's fun just to, especially if they get to host a home game. And I haven't checked to see. Um, if any of them are hosting a home game, 
But it's really fun to watch the excitement in those crowds those first few games before they realize that they're fighting for 17th. Um, but, or, yeah, 17th. Uh, but the, uh, you know, other than that, I'm going to do what I always do. I will, I'll check in on the Chelsea games. I'll check in on the United game. Um, I'll check in on an Everton or a Wolves game just to see who else is going to be fighting for those um just the ones that are expected to fight for the European places. But, you know, ultimately when it comes to those weekends, opening weekend, I, I watch, a, I mean, I watch, I'm watching a game at seven. I'll watch a game at 10. I'll watch a game at noon. I'll watch my Arsenal game on Sunday. I'm going to watch a lot of games and yeah. I'll flip back and forth, but those are the ones that are most interesting to me. So we will see uh recently promoted Aston Villa hosting Tottenham 1230 Saturday. I'm obviously uh, know who I'm rooting for there. So, um, I mean, really, of course, there's Manchester United and Chelsea is the uh, kind of prime time, as it were, for Sunday. Uh, Arsenal-Newcastle at 9 o'clock. I think that's – actually, I'm kind of excited about that matchup to see. Almiron. Um, will be fun, yeah. Watch Almiron. Sure. Why not? Um, and I'm kind of like you. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake up and I'm going to pour myself coffee and I'm going to try to watch as much soccer as I can before my son stomps downstairs and insists on putting on DuckTales. See, yeah, Jonah will come in. My Jonah will come in and just be like, "Who's playing and who are we rooting for?" Yeah. Um, and so I'll, I'll let him know, and then he'll root. So like this afternoon, the uh, I turned on the Timbers game, and he's like, "Well, who are we rooting for?" He goes, "Oh, never mind. We're rooting for the Timbers." Like he knew because earlier in the season he picked his team back when they were in last, and then he's and they're and they're not always going to win because they're in last. Like actually, they're not in last anymore, bud. And he's like, "They're not." He was really excited, and then yeah. Um, it didn't go their way, but uh, yeah. So, but that's kind of what he does. His thing is he just wants to have a team he's he's rooting for. Sure. So I just always have to pick one. Like even if I'm watching a game that I could care less who wins, I have to pick a team that we're rooting for, or else he'll walk away. Well, you can let him know the Timbers were sandbagging for the U.S. Open Cup semifinal on Wednesday. Yeah, because that's definitely what happened. Alex tells himself repeatedly. Right, because seventh place is not as important as sandbagging for the U.S. Open Cup semifinal. Now, honestly, that gets you into the Champions League, so that is actually yeah. probably your focus. But yeah, so big weekend. I, I you know tons and tons of soccer that I'll watch. Um, I am interested to see. I may actually look at going down to Statesboro. I don't know. Um, my wife's got a, a a close friend of hers from college that's down that way, so maybe I can. Use that as a way to get in. I don't know. We'll see. Probably I'll be watching from home. <laughs> Let's be honest. Fair enough. That's all I got. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. We want to thank our sponsors, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom scarves, hats, mugs, and other items for just yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scars, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. All right. See you guys on the other side. Bye. Yeah, that didn't do anything. Oh. Now we're going to get the E. So I've had my mic upside down this entire time that we've ever recorded, and that's why my voice never picks up quite right, and the volume has always had to be kind of low. Um, so...
Yay! Hopefully the volume, for the first time, for those of you that are consistent listeners, this will be the first time you've listened to us and you haven't immediately had the next podcast come on and blow your ears out, either in your car or on your headphones. We appreciated you taking the time to listen to this podcast, now that I'm pretty sure you're probably not going to come back. (laughs) So yeah, sorry. Uh, So we got our outtakes, that's cool.